May God bless us this morning as we worship Him. A very, very special greeting to those of you that are visiting or have come for the second or third time. We celebrate the Lord's table about once a month, so you're here on that day when this becomes the introduction to the message. This is Jesus' first speech to us, and now I have the privilege to open His Word. So welcome. Glad you're here. Balcony, you with me up there? All right, great. <laughs> you're my people. That's where I sit when I'm not down front, everybody. If you have a Bible, would you open it, please? We're going to pick up where we left off last week in the book of Mark. The book of Mark, chapter 10. If you want to use the Bibles we provided for you, simply look on the uh, back of your seat there and you'll see a Bible and we're on page 1002. 1002. So turn on, turn over, let's get ready and now let's receive the word of God. Let me read verses 13 through 16, chapter 10. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. And he said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, uh, uh, truly I tell you anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it and he took the children in his arms placed his hands on them and he blessed them welcome to the reading of God's Word keep it open because we're going to use it this is Jesus now talking about family Last week we spoke about marriage and we talked about, if you will, that absolutely exquisite beauty that a marriage in Jesus Christ is intended to be. Today he deals with the issue of children. Evidently in verse 13, lots of kids were coming to him. Now we don't know who it was that brought them, it just says people, it's in the plural there. But I have to imagine it's dads, it's moms, it's big brothers, it's big sisters, it's aunts and uncles, it's grandparents. How many grandparents do we have here in this service? Would you raise your hands, please? Okay, because this talks for you, too. All right. But lots of people bringing lots of children to Jesus. Now, the word there in verse 13 for children means small children up to what we call adolescents. We, we actually have the term applied to a 12-year-old in the Bible. So middle school, high school. For our purposes today, we're thinking of Jesus receiving little kids and we're thinking of Jesus receiving young people. Uh, we've got some pictures for you to look at here. Let's, this is one of the great stories of the New Testament. What might it have been like? Look at this one. Oh, I like that. First of all, it's in a pastoral setting. There's uh, kids of all ages that are there, of all colors, and Jesus is simply enjoying young people. The next. I chose this picture because I like the individual care, gentleness, and attention that Jesus gives to each one. Incidentally, you're a child before Jesus too, and that's the kind of attention and love 
he gives for you. And then finally, look at our third picture, which you also have on the insert today. This looks like it's from a Disney film. Is it, Jeff? Do you think this is from a Disney film? It could be. It's got that Disney look. Uh, but this is just Jesus having a great time with kids, right? You've got, you've got a little girl hanging, or boy hanging upside down. You've got a little girl playing peekaboo with him, turning around. And you've got one pulling him this way, others listening at his feet, one sleeping against his arm. And that is so much like God. This is a great passage. Those of you that are considering spirituality in your life, you're wondering, quote, which religion to follow. Wouldn't you want to follow someone who is magnetic for children like this? This is God's love for us. Now, it all looks good, except it says in that verse, the disciples rebuked the people bringing them to Jesus. The disciples tried to stop this from happening. These are bad disciples. Uh, no, not bad. Maybe they are simply aware that Jesus has limited time. Maybe, maybe this is a time they discern for adult conversation and the children really should sit at the little table because this is important stuff that God has to say to adults, to humans. To, to, this is life and death stuff Jesus is talking about. And he just, don't let the children bother him. Have you ever had that happen where you kind of feel like you're the cog and and you you're you're getting in the way happened to us this week pastor jeff and i were in washington dc we felt so important we're, we're in those capitol buildings there we're with a group of 200 pastors from all over the united states about 20 from illinois we're meeting with congressmen in their office uh we're talking about family we're talking about immigration we're having a great time there was one congressman we didn't get to see, and he's actually the congressman for many of us, and uh, that's Peter Roskam. Peter wasn't in his office, so we met with like chief of staff. Incidentally, a, a son of this church is the assistant chief of staff to, Dennis, to uh, Peter Roskam, Dean Thompson, right? And he was in Jeff's Sunday school class. That is like so cool. I got a picture of Dean and Jeff underneath the seal of the House of Representatives, Jeff feeling so proud. I was his Sunday school teacher. It's just the greatest thing. But anyhow, we didn't get to see Peter, and we were getting ready to leave. You remember, Jeff? And we're heading toward the elevator, and I can hear the hallway behind us, and I can hear Peter's voice. Uh, since we're fast, close friends, I turned around. And my, the other pastors followed me. I held out my name tag because we're fast, close friends. I go, Peter, Lon Allison. And he stops. He goes, Lon. And then he goes, Jeff. And all these pastors, this is wonderful. And, and he just wanted to be with us. But his disciples were around him. And he was due, evidently, to get to the floor to do a vote. So they're trying to scurry him away while he... Well, see, that's, that's all it may have been, is that there was something else he had to be doing, and, and the disciples called AIDS in Washington, D.C., wanted his full attention. That may be all that it was, but it sets a tone for what Jesus says next. Watch this. When Jesus saw what the disciples were doing he was indignant another word for that is angry 
Another word for that is he was irate. And he said to them, let the children come to me. Let the children come to me. Then the next thing he says, do not hinder them. And incidentally, in the original language, both of those phrases are in the imperative, which is the command. He was irate and he said, let the children come to me and don't stop them. That's the tone that Jesus has about young people. Nothing should stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Okay. Let's take those two big phrases, those two commands, let the children come to me, and then later we'll take do not hinder them. Now I'm talking to parents. I'm talking to grandparents. I'm talking to aunts and uncles. How do we help the children come to Jesus? First thing I want to say about that is you probably can't stop them. The, the, the text says here, let the children, they are coming. Let the children come to me. Children have such an intense attraction to God. You remember? Have you seen it? Children come to know Jesus more quickly and quite honestly, more thoroughly than most adults do. They just do. We're going to talk about that in a little while. Let them come, hard to stop them. You have to work hard to stop them. <laughs> in fact, can I ask this question? For all of you in the room now who have given your life to Jesus Christ and you know that you love him and that you follow him and you partake at the Lord's table, all of us here, how many of you would say my decision to devote and give my life to Jesus occurred either when I was young or when I was in high school, like ages 4, 5, right up to 16, 17, 18. How many hands? Would you hold them up? Hold them up. Balcony too? Vast majority of us. Is it occurred during that time? Yeah, yeah. Well, how do we facilitate that? How do we as families, as parents, as grandparents, aunts and uncles, how do we help facilitate that even more? Read this passage with me. I'm going to ask us all to read it out loud. This is wonderful instruction on how to facilitate the children coming. Here we go. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And let's leave the text up for a minute or two. Look at all the language that is there. Look at the images that are there. It's this notion that parents and grandparents and providers for children should live the God-filled life around their children, around their grandchildren. It should be the center of our dialogue, the center of our actions. It's just who we are. I, I love the language where it says, talk about these things, impress them on your children. Part of our regular conversation, 
uh, when you're sitting down at home, when you're walking along the road, when you're lying down, when you get up. I mean, take the words of God and tie them on your hands, bind them on your foreheads, write them over the door frame of your house, put them on your gates. It's living and expressing our God life around our children, around our grandchildren as a way of life. I met with some of our children and youth leaders this week, our pastors, and they said, Lon, we'd like to come up with a little, and here's what I call this, we'd like to come up with a little spiritual growth chart. Some ways for families to actually think, how are we doing in living out Deuteronomy chapter 6? And so, inside your program folder, on the back of the worship section, where you have the list of songs and such, you'll see five questions every family needs to answer. And there you'll see questions under each of these themes. How are we doing in prayer? How are we doing in praying for our children? How are we doing in praying with our children and grandchildren? How are we doing in making the Bible and its teachings the center of what we believe and act out? How are we modeling our faith? Is it just a Sunday thing for us or an every other Sunday thing for us? Does our Bible sit on our coffee table that never gets opened? You know, it's asking those kinds of questions. Modeling. And then serving. Tons of kids were with us yesterday in CareFest. Loving our neighborhoods. Doing things for others. Church involvement. Spending time. So what we suggest is that you might think as a family, hey, kind of how are we doing there? And then at the bottom, make a plan. What are one, two, three things that God may be saying to you as a grandparent, as an aunt and uncle, as, as just a good friend, as an adopted uncle? We had adoptive grandparents for our kids when we moved to Chicago because our family was so far away. So we had a wonderful couple who became grandpa and grandma to them. How are we doing living out this life all around them? I want you to know that you're not alone in doing this, dads and moms, uh, grandparents, you're not alone. Uh, if you're in our church, you already know this. If you're visiting our church, we want you to know that because Jesus put such priority on youth and children, we do too. And so uh, your church home is a home where we're trying to say, let this be your second home to help you in the raising of your children. You're the first home. You're the primary home. But your church wants to stand as second home with you in this journey because it takes a village to raise a kid. Okay? It takes a village to raise a kid. Uh, did you know that in our church, in any given week, Sunday morning, and this is, if you haven't toured our children's rooms and our youth warehouse center, Absolutely amazing what we've provided for them there. Uh, secondly, did you know we've got about 1,800 children and youth every week coming into our church in some way, shape, or form? Did you know we have nearly 20 professional ministers that work with our children and our youth? And did you know that nearly 500 of you also are volunteer ministers serving with them? It takes about 550 volunteer ministers in our church to service our children. 
we make it a high priority. It is very, very important. In fact, um, I want to say this too, because I'm aware, especially after speaking on marriage last week, probably 40 up to 50% of all the adults in our church are not married. And so can I just say something to you too? We need you with our children and our youth. As I look back on my journey, I still remember that some of the best help I had finding God was from uh, unmarried friends who started... In fact, you, remember, you know Larry, my friend Larry, when I was in Young Life Club, Larry was this coolest single guy. He was really old. He was maybe 25. Really old guy. But Larry was one of the volunteers in our uh, youth group, and he drove a Porsche you know what that means. It means he's really cool. It was forest green. It was a 912, and I used to beg for a ride. He says, if you keep coming to Young Life Club, I will give you a ride. I loved Larry. I loved his Porsche. He went with us on trips. He just gave himself to us. There's just a great role for single adults in caring for children and youth. Then one day he came to me, and he says, I'm going to get married. I went, no. And then I said, what about the Porsche? <laughs> I don't know how long he kept it. So we simply want to say to you, so important. You know, one of our uh, youth pastors said to me, he said, Lon, I still remember being a, uh, a, a little boy, and my dad would always say to us, what do we have to pray about today, son? This is Phil Shields, actually, our, our youth pastor. And he said, when I became a high school kid and I could drive, um, my dad would take the train each day so that I would have a car to take to school, but I would have to take him at six o'clock in the morning every day. So think, 16-year-old boy, car, taking dad to the train every day. And he says, every day as we pulled into the train station, he would say, now Phil, what do we have to pray about today? And Phil says, lots of days I said, Nothing, Dad. And then Phil said, you know what I do today when I take my son to school? What do we have to pray about today, son? Oh, God bless you as parents, as aunts and uncles, as grandparents. Nothing more important than caring and guiding your children, not getting in their way as they come to Jesus. Now let's look at the second injunction. Don't hinder them. Did you notice how I changed my tonality for that? Don't hinder them. Just the right amount of reverb. <laughs> Evidently, we're not only supposed to guide them with God, we better be careful to not get in the way. Don't hinder them. I found myself thinking a lot about this this week. How do we as adults as parents, as aunts and uncles, grandparents, how do we get in the way? And I, and I have a couple of thoughts on it I'd like to share with you. First of all, I think we get in the way when we don't let children come to receive Jesus Christ even when they're young. You saw the hands raised, how many of us, that's when it occurred for us. And yet today, even in some of our Christian education, we're beginning to hear, let's not really push salvation on children. It can be manipulative. It can force. I, I know, I know all those dangers. 
But the greater danger is to keep children and youth from God when He's calling them to Himself. Uh, As I think back in our family with our three kids, every one of them received Jesus Christ before they were ten and one before she was even five. We couldn't have kept her away that night. I want to know Jesus, Mommy. Please, let your children come to Jesus. Let your children come to Jesus. A second way we can hinder hinder is by not modeling it ourselves. You remember what Deuteronomy said, how it's just kind of lifestyle, like everything in our lives revolves around our God-filled life, and so we just naturally talk about it, we naturally uh, uh, think about it, we naturally consult with God about everything that goes on in the family. One of the worst things that happens is when parents don't take their faith seriously. You can never expect kids to. And so this, there's, you know, I don't know that there's any greater reason for you to draw near to God than it is so that your children see you draw near to God. Model the life. That also means when you blow it, say, I'm so sorry, kids. I really blew that. Will you pray with me as I ask Jesus to forgive me? We make lots of mistakes as parents. So model your real life with Jesus Christ. Next thing I want to say about it is, um, this is kind of funny, but I'm going, to, I'm going to use two things that are kind of contrarian. And the first is, I want to say, make sure you don't try to make your children too strong. Because if you do, they won't need God. Say, what am I talking about? I'm talking about tiger dads and tiger moms. It's a whole name that has been given to the ultra-developing parents. These are parents who are thinking all American at age three with their kids. Every sport imaginable. These, These are parents that are thinking a scholarship to Juilliard as their one-and-a-half-year-old begins to learn the violin. These are parents who, um, who, who, who are thinking road scholarships before their kids ride a bike. And, and, and I don't blame you. I, I don't blame you. I don't want my kids to face this harsh world without every possibility of preparation they could possibly get. <laughs> they shall be strong. Yeah, when we teach our children rugged independence, we're going contrary to the gospel of God, which says it's about dependence. It's not about independence. And so, yes, raise your children to love learning. Raise your children to love athletics. Raise your children to love art, etc., etc. But all the way, along the way, help them to know that it's only Jesus in them that helps them be what they are. And it is only Jesus who will get them through the sorrows and struggles of life. You can't prepare your kids to live without God and make it in this world. You can only prepare for them to live with God. And that means to breed in them a need 
for God in every area of life and to not be independent anywhere in life. Every July 4th, we should be singing about the declaration of dependence to God, not independence. So you see, we can try to make them, quote, too strong. On the other hand, we can kind of get into the, my kids are so weak. How many grandparents here again? Okay, I'm going to spell a word for you. S-P-O-I-L. I have a lot of friends that are grandparents. I see it. I get it. I can't wait for it. But I've yet to meet a grandparent or a parent who upon the birth of their first child and the first year doesn't say to me, this is the second child born with no original sin. (laughs) Here's where I want to go with the spoiling thing, the coddling thing. If you protect too much, if you provide too much, we get in God's way. Because just as God uses trials and challenges and struggles to make us like Jesus, so He will use trials and struggles and challenges even in our children and young people's lives, for them to depend on Jesus and grow into his likeness. So we can try to make them too strong or we can try to keep them too weak. May God save us from those things. Finally, I just want to say, for those of you who are married, we spoke about this last week, um, your children desperately need to see that you have a sustaining Caring, strong marriage. That's another reason to go to work on it if you haven't. Kids need that. Well, if the sermon ended right here, I think we'd be okay. (laughs) And some of you are saying, yeah, we already paid the man. Let's get out of here. All right. But I've got to take you to what Jesus does next. You know how the Bible constantly says Jesus was a teacher unparalleled. Jesus would say things with authority. Jesus could turn things on a dime. Watch what Jesus does now. Just when he thought, we thought he was just talking about how we care for children, he now turns the table in verse 15, and he says, incidentally, you must teach your parents well. You who are on the road, okay, Teach your children well. Watch this, verse 15. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Truly I say to you, to anyone, adults, if you do not receive the kingdom of God, the life and the ways of God, like a little child, you will never enter it. There's something about children that big people have to learn in order to come to God. And so now let me say this. When I bring the message to a conclusion in just a few minutes, I'm going to be giving the opportunity to anyone that is here who has not come to God to do so this morning. We had seven people do that in the first service. 
So listen closely because what I'm going to tell you is Jesus says you've got to do it the way children do it for it to be real. Okay? So what is it about children and God that is essential for people in the balcony and the main floor to get? What is it? I think there's at least three things. There may be more. What is a child like? What is a childlike journey toward God? Well, the first thing about it is children are absolutely real. You know what I mean by that? Um, no facades, no pretenses. Sometimes we want them to learn those things. But in their essence, they don't know how to be phony. Watch these AT&T commercials to see what I mean. What's better, doing two things at once or just one? Two! Two! You sure? I am absolutely positive. Two times is awesome. The thing I can do is wave my head and wave... That's amazing. I've never seen anything like that. Hold on, I'm watching this. <laughs> so do you guys think being fast is better than being slow? Yes! It's better to be fast, to not be bitten by a werewolf, and then you'll be turned into one, and you'll have to stay in, and then you'll have to get shaved because you'll be too hot, and then you're like... Which means I wish I was back to a human. What? Who thinks two is better than one? So all of you do. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Now what's better, being able to shoot two lasers out of both your eyes at the same time or just one laser out of one eye? Two. Okay, why? It's just fun. One beam, okay, it does a little bit of damage. A, right. Two beams, it'll make something explode. And that's more fun? And, yeah. And it's more powerful, you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> I hope I got my point across. They're just who they are. And I want to say to all of us, one of the worst things of adulthood is when we start putting on all of these masks, all these facades, all these protections, all these things. And Jesus is saying he gets all that. But if you really want to be made new, you just come to him as you are. He knows everything about you. He knew you before you were even born. There's, there's no hiding. And so step number one is to be real. To just come to him, just who you are. Uh, second, is children are wonderfully, and here's the word, needy. Wonderful and needy appear to be oxymoron, don't they? But, oh, it's so important to just admit we don't have life all together. It's so important to be content to be needy. Uh, to be helpless, uh, to, to, to not have any thought that I can deserve or earn my way to God. I can only come broken as who I am. As I say in the notes here, come to Jesus not because you're strong. Come to Jesus because you're weak. Come to Jesus because you recognize that your sin-filled self is just about to destroy you. 
And if your sin-filled self doesn't destroy you, a sin-filled world will that you are a needy person. That's what I mean by that. Children are wonderfully needy. When the, when the little, little child sits in the, in the uh, chair and it's time for food, the child knows that they can't prepare their food. They can't uh, put their food into a bowl and they can't even get the spoon to their mouth. I just need to say something. We are so needy that when it comes to God, we can't sit in the chair, we can't fill the bowl, and we can't even get the spoon of life into our mouth apart from God. So they're real. Jesus washed away all our sins. Remember that earlier? They're just real. Secondly, so honest about just being needy. And then third, children have this wonderful capacity to trust easily. I, I, I am a student of young children, and I, I'm in a laboratory of 1,800 of them every week now. I love to watch the little ones especially after the service as they climb into mom or dad or grandpa's arms and they lean there and fall asleep knowing they're safe, knowing that the arms that are around them are arms that will never let them go. Last week I was talking to one of our young men and his children were buzzing all around and one of his little girls just kind of stood by daddy like this the whole time. And then she just kind of leans into him. Then she goes around to the front of him. And so he's talking to me and she's right there. And then she just kind of leans completely into him. If that man moved, that kid was going to hit the ground. She knew daddy wouldn't move. Trust. So how do we receive the kingdom of the life and the ways of Jesus like a child, real, needy, needy, and just giving our trust to God. That's what I want to offer to many of you today. This is an opportunity for you to come to Jesus. And I'm going to offer a prayer in just a moment. And it's a prayer that you'll actually be able to pray because I've written it just for this message and just for this event. And then after you pray that prayer, I'll actually come back up and I'll say, if you pray that prayer, many of you won't need to pray it because you're already fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. But for those of you who sense you want to come to God or come back to God, I'm going to ask you, to then raise your hand because I want to do for you what Jesus did for the children in verse 16. He takes them in his arms and he blesses them. And I want to give a word of blessing to every one of you that will raise your hand. So prepare for this now. Is it time for you to come to Jesus? Is it, or is it time for you to come back? Here's the prayer. I'm going to read it to you first. And then we'll have some music. Lord Jesus, I come to you just as I am. I need you. Forgive me for all I am and do that is wrong. Thank you for dying to forgive my sins. I place my trust in you to lead my life. Will you bow with me now? With your eyes only on the screen, if this expresses the desire of your heart, pray these words after me. 
Lord Jesus, I come to you just as I am. I need you. Forgive me for all I am and do that is wrong. Thank you for dying to forgive my sins. I place my trust in you to lead my life. Amen.